What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Warriors, warriors, come out to play. Because you never know what's going to happen in this sport. In this sport, you never know with with these fights. Anything is possible. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet though. He thought it was going to be a three piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand buffet to the face, man. What's up, fight fans? It's time for another episode of the RJ Ringside Podcast. It's Heidi Fang here with our MMA writer, Adam Hill, our producer, Larry Mir, and also joining us, our boxing writer, Sam Gordon, who has a ton of stuff that he got from L.A. in regards to that Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder rematch. So we're going to talk to Sam about all of that. But first of all, I got to start off with Adam. Adam, how are you doing today? Well, I mean that that was I don't wow. completely unnecessary. I was completely thrown off guard by that. No, we know who her favorite is now. I mean, I'm I fine. I'm I, I'm good. I just I heard that you were a little tired, so I wanted to add some pep to your step oh, and, and get, get you rolling, man. I mean, but, uh, we're recording. I'm glad that we're recording. Here and yeah, we're recording at 9 a.m. Heidi, and uh, I mean, you guys know how much that means. <laughs> if I'm gonna willing to get out of bed and do anything before 11, that means I'm you know very committed <laughs> to something. So I mean, I'm good to go. And I did. I had to do. Uh, a, a spot on you know national radio this morning at 7 a.m so that was a real nightmare like nine o'clock i'm wide awake at this point all right i'm stoked man i'm having i said stoked because ed greeny our columnist took me out to a beach town yesterday and we talked to all these surfers so i think their lingo is starting to like rub off on me by osmosis um but, and i'm out in miami for those of you who don't know so i've been uh in larry's hometown so larry um you know I know you're a little disappointed in me because I didn't go get like you know the the home style people food. I'm actually born and raised in Vegas, Heidi, but I lived in he, Miami he, for quite a while. He claims Miami; <laughs> it's a total lie. And by the way, yeah, you guys I, run, went, I run around yelling 305 all the time. Yeah, know? I will. Uh, I will shout out your uh, your your work with Ed yesterday and say people should go read the Raheem Moster piece and uh, watch the video. And I don't know where I don't know where you guys found that surfer guy that just kept saying like, "What did he say? You know what I mean?" All the time. I think that's what he was saying. Yeah, he said, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and he said stoked a whole lot more than I actually had in the video because, you know, you have to whittle down the interviews a little bit. You can't put the whole 10 minutes of him talking. But that guy was amazing. Like what happened was like, we we're trying to find people um, in Rohim Moster's town and we went there not knowing the layout, anything. We just started talking to people and I was like, hey, Ed, so Raheem Mostert was, you know, he's into surfing. We've seen him do that paddle thing in the end zone when he celebrates. I was like, let's go into some of the surf shops and just like talk to people about what the surf's like out here. And then you just happen to walk into the first one that we go into. And this guy went to high school with Raheem Mostert. So we're like, this is awesome. And he just started talking to him. He was like, right on. You know what I mean? You know so what I mean? So that was that story. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, like uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, in um, that uh, Days and Confused movie, but uh, Sam, so you had this trip to LA, um, 
how was everything like out there when you, you got to this setting where this uh, kind of press conference and, uh, you know, intimate setting also happened with media with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? You got some one on one time. Tell us about this experience and what the vibe was like out there on that Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a unique deal uh, where, where Fox broadcast a live uh, press conference. Kurt Menefee from Fox's NFL coverage actually kind of emceed the whole thing. It was live on TV. And Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury sat down, and it wasn't. Um, I mean, we've seen these guys trade words before, and it was definitely some playful, playful barbs back and forth. But for the most part, um, a lot of respect uh, paid paid between these two. Uh, Deontay Wilder recognizes. I mean, both of them have one draw, right, and that's each other. And both of them kind of recognize the their their respective greatness, and it, it was cool to see that. I didn't necessarily expect that. I thought there was going to be a little bit more trash talk. There was some, but not as much. You know, Tyson Fury. Uh, complimented Deontay Wilder as probably the best puncher in the history of the sport. And, and Deontay Wilder said, look, Tyson Fury can't punch like I can, but he's very, very skilled. And, and as we know, as we talked about last week on the show, uh, contrasting styles, different styles, and that's what I think is going to make this rematch awesome. Um, like you said, did have a little bit of time with, with Tyson Fury one-on-one. Um, he seems to be in a really good place. I mean, just we, we know he's battled mental health, and that's an ongoing battle for him. But he said he's totally locked in. Um, he's in a good place with camp. He actually brought in a, a nutritionist and for the first time is working with a full-time nutritionist in order to, to keep weight on. And he wants to um, try to become more powerful for this fight. I think he, he he said he's around 265, between 265 and 270 when he woke up on the scale, uh, whatever Saturday morning that was. And that's a, a whole lot heavier than he was for his last fight here against Otto Wallen where he was around 240 and it was one of the lightest appearances of his career. So he's trying to keep weight on uh, to, to, to combat Wilder's power with some, some additional power of his own. Uh, he, he's focused, he's been training and, and, and he's not, you know, he knows the stakes of this fight and knows what it means for him, for his legacy. And, and, and it, what the, the thing I admire most about these two guys is you have a couple undefeated fighters in their prime and we know in boxing, you don't have to fight anybody, right? Uh, but they're both willing to let that all go. And and I asked Fury about, hey, you know, it's always sacred to a lot of fight fans. Like, this is really a big deal. And he pretty much said, no, it's you know, the, the, the best fighters are all willing to let it go. And that's what he's willing to do. So uh, a lot of mutual respect. Um, I think there still is a genuine disdain for one another. But there is deep down, I think this rivalry and this feud is um, driven by respect for one another as the two best heavyweights in the world. And and. We're going to see that play out on, on February 22nd. Sam, I, I just want to jump in on that. You said they can fight anybody. And, and we know that in box, boxing that's the case. Like a lot of the big stars can fight whoever they want and, and make money. But aren't these guys at a point in the heavyweight division there's really not that much else? I mean, they kind of have to fight each other at this point, don't they? Well, yeah, 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 absolutely. In terms of uh, who, you know, staking their claim and greatness, being the number one guy. I just mean in the literal sense that, you know, Anthony Joshua – for ducked both these guys for years. Uh, it's just in terms of promoters running every everything like that. Um, they could have said no to this fight, but it's going to be a huge money fight. It is the preeminent fight between the two top heavyweights, and, and then we'll see where it goes from here. I know we touched on it last week on the show, if there would be some type of unification with Anthony Joshua afterwards. But Joshua didn't – I mean, he didn't want to fight Deontay Wilder. He didn't fight Tyson Fury, and I, I think that's what, what's unique about Wilder and Fury is like, look – they both are undefeated. They can both clean up on lower second and third tier guys in the heavyweight division. They're willing to let that all go. They're willing to fight the other top dog in the division. And they're both in their respective primes when they're doing it. They're not hand, nobody's cherry picking a fight at a time where they might have, you know, a decisive advantage or something like that. We're not seeing any of that. They're not fighting a young up and comer who's 21, 22, 23, who doesn't have the experience. 
these guys are both, I believe, at the apex, the peak of their powers, uh, willing to – somebody's going to lose, right? Unless we get another draw, somebody's going to lose. And from the public perception, I mean, we know we cover fighting. It's it's A loss isn't the end-all, be-all. But in the eyes of a lot of people, there's there's a stigma, a positive stigma, I guess, attached to that. Oh, maybe because of what Floyd Mayweather accomplished that. Oh, undefeated that's is super incredible, which it is. But all the great heavyweights in history, all the great fighters, pretty much, with the exception of Rocky Marciano and, and Floyd Mayweather, they've lost. And it happens. So the fact that these guys understand that, they're willing to risk a loss to their record, maybe um, you know, taint their legacy a little bit in the eyes of of the the average fan. Um, a lot of a lot of respect for that, and it's it's going to be a show on February twenty second. Did um did either guy mention who who possibly could be next for them, or if they were eyeing a, a possible opponent looking past uh, one another? No, no talk of that. I, I mean, it's all it's all about February twenty second for these two, a hundred percent focused, and, and really, um, what's going to be a legacy defining victory for for whoever wins. Uh, I mean, both these guys have impressive resumes. Uh, Fury, obviously, with the the victory over Klitschko, ending the Klitschko era. Uh, but but this would definitely be, in my opinion, the kind of legacy-defining victory for whoever wins. Sam, I find it really interesting that you brought up the nutrition that Tyson Fury is going through because, I mean, there was a point where this guy weighed about, what, 400 pounds, and he put up that picture, and he talked about, like, the journey that he had and how he used to drink himself into oblivion, like, pint after pint. And I think I remember reading something that said he drank over, like, 100 pints of beer in a week. So, like, I mean, when you spoke to him about that and the nutrition goals that he's put in place for himself, like... What did you gather from that? Do you think it kind of says like, hey, I'm more motivated than ever to get in there? And he's been talking about like knocking out Deontay Wilder. Do you think like that that was the vibe that you're getting from him, that he's like really, really taking this super serious? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and um, as you mentioned, you know, Tyson Fury was over 400 pounds and has been really open about his battles with depression and substance abuse and was at a really, really dark place in his life. Um, after he beat Klitschko, ironically, you know, you get to the top of the mountain and it's like, What's next? What else is there? And and Fury definitely experienced some of that. And and credit to him for being open about it, especially in today's day and age where furthering the mental health conversation, advancing that is so important. I mean, I think in sports, he's been one of the people who's been able to do that the most. But uh, at this juncture of his career, where, where he's at mentally, which is in a very good place, as he told me the other day, um, he's in a very good place mentally. Now it's just about making sure he's in, he's in premium condition for the fight. Um, you know, he's he said that he couldn't he, he couldn't finish Wilder off in the first fight. He just didn't have enough left in the tank. So this is all about being top this, this time around, you know, no half stepping. Not that he did that the first time, but he knows now maximum condition, maximum strength. Everything is going to be top notch in this fight. You're going to see, I mean, phenomenal preparation, I think, from both these guys. But Fury's had a, had a little bit more time to prepare after uh, his last fight was in September. Wilder's was in November. So. He's had a little bit more time to prepare and is, is doing everything he can to ensure that, that he is in top physical condition and top mental condition as well ahead of the biggest challenge of his career. All right, let's go ahead then and hear just a little bit from this interview that took place last week in L.A. on a Saturday. Numbers don't tell lies. And this man's knockout ratio alone says he's the greatest puncher in boxing history in the heavyweight division. Um, would it be walking into his hands? Well... It would be if I was to go put my chin right in front of him and say, go on, Deontay, knock me out, please. But I'm hardly going to do that. You know, the, the thing is, is how do you beat a massive puncher? You've got to back him up. You have to back him up. 
because he gets massive leverage in those long arms coming forward and, and landing those big punches. So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta back him up, put him on the back foot, let him absorb some of mine, because I'm the Gypsy King. You know, there's only been one Gypsy King, um, and there's only likely to be one Gypsy King going forward, uh, and that's one belt that Deontay can't win, because for one, he's not a Gypsy, and he definitely can't take that title. <laughs> so yeah, that's what makes me unique. But thanks for noticing. All right, that was Tyson Fury and that rematch again happening here in Las Vegas, February 22nd, part of one of the biggest fights to be featured in the first quarter of this year here in the in Las Vegas. So we'll keep you up to date as all things lead up to that. Um, we'll be out there again as the fight week happens and we're, we're going to be all over this coverage. So that's where you find everything here on ReviewJournal.com with the RJ Ringside. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, I am in Miami and man, we're getting hyped up for the Super Bowl here. But Adam, um, there were some sparks between some UFC fighters out here on Radio Row. And, you know, sadly, I missed it. And you know why I missed it? Because I was listening to Roger Goodell. (laughs) I was over there and then I had to everything so far apart here that I had to get on a shuttle to get back to the media center after Roger Goodell. So that shuttle took me like. 30 minutes to get across town. Um, Larry, I don't know if it was like this when you were here, but the traffic's insane, man. So, like, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. Day-to-day traffic, like going to work and driving home is ridiculous out there. It it can be compared to California almost. It's ridiculous. So here I am on this bus, and I missed it. I missed the whole confrontation, but I was able to catch up with it online between Masvidal and Kamaro Usman. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see these two going at it with each other the way they have because when they're in close settings together I haven't really seen that like during the press week when they're here Um, and you know I just you've been hearing it and seeing it like in certain spots but I I don't know I mean how much hype do you think Adam that there is right now for these two to face each other well certainly more now and if you were if you were going to have to go to Goodell you should have asked them to do their little staged confrontation when you could be around I know. Like, that would have been perfect. <laughs> it's, ridi- it's ridiculous. Uh, it, like, I usually don't think, you know, most of these things are staged. I think it's just a, a matter of guys being, you know, hyped up and, and you know, jacked and being around each other and just kind of, uh, you know, testosterone getting out of control and, and going, at, going at it and screaming and yelling and, and something happened. But this one just felt a little different. This one felt like this was two guys who are going to fight for a title uh, at some point in the very near future and are both from the area, uh, were at Radio Row for the Super Bowl and decided, hey, this would be a good time to really get people interested in this fight because as good as Jorge Masvidal has been, and he's a fighter of the year and a breakout star, and he's very, very popular right now, Kamaru Usman is a guy who is an incredible fighter, a welterweight champion, but not a whole lot of people know who he is necessarily. And this is a good way to just be like, hey, this is going to be the fight. Uh, these guys you know, have a little, a little history between their gyms. They have a little... South Florida, you know, animosity going on. Um, I know that you know they've had their back and forth in the media with you know Kamaru Usman constantly asking who Jorge Masvidal is. Um, all all of those things have kind of been leading up to this, and it's going to happen. But I don't know that there was that huge buzz around the fight because people were you know well what who's going to fight McGregor and what's going to go on there. So I think these guys are are looking for a way to say hey this is going to be the fight and it's going to be really good. And I do think it's a really interesting clash of styles and a, a good matchup at the top, but they need a little buzz, and I think that's what was going on there. So um, I think they did a good job of it, staying away, don't actually throw and you know look like idiots on Radio Row, but at least draw some attention, and they did a good job of that. 
And for those who don't know, like, so Kamaru Usman, when he was going through the Ultimate Fighter, he was with a gym called the Black Zillions, but that gym dissolved. And now they have in Fort Lauderdale, where he trains a Hard Knocks 365 gym. And I believe Henry Hooft is still there, who is somebody that they worked with when they were with the Black Zillions. And then uh, you have over in Coconut Creek, Florida, Mosby Dolls Camp, American Top Team, that houses a bunch of, like, superstars right now from uh, the Double Champ Champ. Amanda Nunes and Joanna Yunjechek is out there, I believe. Yoel Romero. There's just a ton of uh, big uh, names that have come out of this camp lately, and that camp seems just to be growing and growing. So these are kind of like two rival camps, like you said, Adam. But um, Larry, when when you saw that, you know, between these two, I mean, what was your first take on, on this whole confrontation? I was, uh, I was, I was entertained, extremely entertained by it. Like, Masvidal, I was, uh, I, I, I couldn't wait to see what Masvidal was going to say and do, and he did not disappoint. You know, uh, I was a little concerned with the, uh, the gun making with the fingers, but he followed that up with a good uh, comment afterwards that you know that's what he's going to do to him in the cage or whatnot. So, uh, it, it was crazy how fast that spread across social media when it happened too. Yeah. There were multiple angles and and different you know different camera views of it and i i think um it's almost like radio row was the right place to do that right where... and you gotta wonder like how you know they got put together too like did the <laughs> yeah. ufc people just mysteriously run into each other you know the pr people that were handling them you know but uh yeah it was uh i, I was highly entertained i i retweeted this really funny animated video that someone did with the voiceovers uh, of it, and, and I'm just it was it was highly entertaining. A lot of uh, finger guns and blowing kisses. Yeah, like yeah. you know, Diaz made a little Nate Diaz makes a cameo in it, and little baby Diaz does. It, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, you know what? I hope that these two do fight because I do feel like the lead up to this fight will be way more greater than the Diaz Masvidal fight, and I just it'll be two it'll be two guys that I, I cannot wait to see get locked in a cage together. Well, let's hope that that gets made sometime in the near future. But we all know that Usman is dealing with a little bit of an injury. I think it was his thumb. So it's going to take some time to get things all set in place um, if that does come to fruition at any point soon. But as we talk about fight lead up, fight hype, Adam, there's something that also caught my attention on social media. And this is Joanna Yanjaychak. We mentioned her name when I was talking about the ATT fighters out there in Coconut Creek. And she went and put something. Now she'll be fighting Wally Zhang for the title coming up soon but um she put something like we you know there's this coronavirus in china and it's really been devastating that land and the country and then she put like on a, a photo herself and a promo promotional poster like a full gas mask over her face and wrote something you know that was kind of just uh disparaging about this whole thing i mean what what was your take on that and will the ufc do anything to kind of like say hey we had this whole uh you know, code of conduct, and I'm air quoting, but you can't see that. But I mean, are they going to do anything about like her remarks and comments? Do you think? I, I doubt it. Uh, this is the kind of thing that UFC usually just kind of says, well, you know, fighters kind of promote themselves the way they want to. If they cross the line in language and that sort of thing, they try to try to do something. But it's a really slippery slope for the UFC to try to deal with these things. Now, I, I know that people are outraged and. Joanna quickly deleted it. It was gone from her Instagram story. Uh, you know, I saw people talking about it, and then I went to watch the Instagram story, and it was gone already. So I think she got the message fairly quickly that it was offensive. I don't know that, you know, she believed it to be offensive. I thought she was just going for some humor, and it just was not very well timed. I don't know if she understands the gravity of the situation that's going on, 
And I think that's that's difficult for fighters sometimes uh, to kind of you know weigh how people are going to react. What it was was somebody had sent it to her, and she kind of reposted it. Um, so I mean, it, yeah, it's it was horrible timing, awful uh, situation to joke about. But I, I don't know that there was any serious ill intent. I think it's it, it's a good learning experience for her. And Joanna, you know, I, I kind of talked to this about talked to her about this when she was on with us uh, not too long ago that she has made a very, very, very conscious effort to market herself through social media the last year and something that she wasn't really doing earlier on in her career. Uh, she's really been trying to push Instagram and her Twitter and, and trying to push the limits in, in a lot of different ways. I think this was just going for some, you know, some quick, easy marketing that just really missed the mark. And, you know, hopefully she'll learn from it. I, I think that's the... Uh, the biggest thing you can take away from situations like this. Piggyback, piggybacking off of what Adam kind of said, um, like her not understanding the gravity of the situation, it could be her just trying to get into her opponent's head too. I just know? don't even. I don't even think it was that. I think she somebody sent it to her and she thought it was funny. And I think she just immediately, you know, sometimes we have those situations where, um, you know, we we immediately kind of think, oh, that's funny. Let me share this with people, and you know, <laughs> some people don't take it the right way. It, it's. It's clearly over the line, but again, I, I I don't think she was going for, you know, any ill intent. Like I said, as soon as people pointed out to her, she deleted it very quickly. Sam, what do you make of all this? You've been around combat sports. You've been in the UFC fights. You've been at boxing fights. What do you think about that kind of smack talk? I mean, um, if you're a promoter, do you think you have to kind of dial, tell this fighter like, hey, dial it back? You can't just joke about things like that. I mean, what, what would you put on your promoter hat, man? How what would you do? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I think there's a line, but at the same time, if I'm promoting a fight, I'm not sure that I don't want my fighters to cross it in a weird way, right? Like, that's whatever generates conversation is good. And, and like, I don't want that to happen per se, but I'm also, I guess, not mad that it does. I don't know. I, I like, I, I'm all for being tasteful and being respectful. And I, again, I do believe there's a certain line, but if you're asking me to put on my promoter hat, like, there's no such thing as bad press, right? To a, to a, to a degree, Sam. There's, you know there's so yeah, Sam. There's no way we'd be talking about this fight. That's all I was just saying. It yeah. was like, yeah, they're, they're right. Out. You're right. And and in that in that sense, it was very successful. I was just saying that on Monday, there's going to be a fight I don't think a lot of people have on their radar right now because there isn't a whole ton of smack talk being done about it. Is the John Jones Dominic Reyes fight? I mean, the heavy light heavyweight title is going on the line here at UFC 247 in Houston and that's happening February 8th and with the fight so close I think we've seen kind of one interaction between Jones and Reyes but it really there wasn't a whole lot of back and forth about it it was it seemed kind of contrived I mean I think I I just when I look at that you know, for me, maybe I've been in the business too long and I've seen too many people go at it, but it felt forced to me. And that's something that when I look at these different interactions between fighters, I know they have a job to sell tickets. I know that they have a job to promote their fight and put eyes on it. But um, I don't know if I'm expecting that out of the conference call that'll happen on Monday between Jones and Reyes. And um, the one, you know, co-main event in that is Valentina Shevchenko will put her flyweight belt on the line against Caitlin Chukagan. And that's another one where it's just been kind of flying under the radar, I think. So, um, Adam, what do you make of this fight card, these two top fights? I mean, we'll get into it more as it leads up. But I mean, when you look at this, you know, kind of the build up to it, has there been any hype? Um, not really. And I think this is a this is a be careful what you wish for situation to me, because so for how long? 
did people say they just want John Jones to shut up, behave himself, and fight, right? That was that was the word on John Jones. Enough of the nonsense. We don't like this controversy all the time. Just get in there and fight. And now that's what he's been doing the last, you know, six to eight months. Really not a whole lot of talk about anything he's doing outside the cage. No problems. Uh, he was very much, uh, you know, just kind of subdued in his last appearance and last fight and just kind of went through the motions. And now all of a sudden people are like, yeah, I don't really care about that guy anymore. Like, th- this is this is insane to me. Like, now he's just being a fighter and people don't really want to see him fight. And they're like, yeah, I guess he's fighting. I guess I'll check it out next week. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... You know, this is this is definitely a time in John Jones' career where he's he's kind of sticking to the script and minding his business and being quiet. And we're seeing that it's not really helping the popularity. He was at the peak of his popularity when he was getting in the most trouble. We've seen that time and time again in sports throughout history. Uh, this is not the John Jones people want. I think it's the John Jones that uh, is is best for him and for his family and and everyone around him. But it's probably not the one that people are excited to see fight. You know, on a uh, on a consistent basis. So uh, we'll see if it picks up a little bit more. You know, after the Super Bowl and this week, certainly sports news has been dominated by other things and tragic things. Uh, so maybe after the Super Bowl, it picks up a little bit with one week to go until the fight. But uh, I think people are quickly seeing that the the quiet, you know, contrite, this calm John Jones is not the one that's popular. I mean, like like uh, the great wrestling promoter Eric Bischoff used to say, right? He actually did <laughs> his autobiography. Controversy creates cash. And it does. It does. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how that promotion um, evolves as we get closer to, to fight night. All right. So uh, that's something, like you said, Adam, I think that we have seen. And Conor McGregor, even, uh, we were all three at that, well, all four, excuse me, all four at that fight. And uh, when we saw Conor out there, I mean, there was none of that really bravado that he used to po- do so well, that brashness. Um, and I think a lot of it, like you said, Adam, has to do with like John Jones's situation. Exactly. He's been in a lot of issues. He's got a lot of things going on around him. And right now, maybe it's best to lay low key and not be that brash personality so i don't know i think sometimes with fans though there's like this weird line of like do we want that or do we not want that well i I think i think from the fighter's perspective especially with the connor thing like when you put a fighter back in his environment back to a place to where he is most peaceful and most at you know where he feels he belongs in the gym training fighting i think that's that's what we see right now with jones and what we saw with connor you know we saw two guys that were back in their happy place, basically, you know, I guess. Um, And that's what I see with Jones here. But um, I I can see Jones, like, not taking Reyes fully serious. And, like, when he fought uh, OVP? Yeah, Ovin St. Pru. Yeah, like, he should have mauled that dude. And, like, that was a, you know... O- OVP put up. I can't even say the guy's name. O- o- OSP. <laughs> OSP. OSP. Yeah, you know OSP. me. You down with OSP. Uh, OSP had a, you know, he he had a really good fight against him. I thought, and like I can see Reyes if he is not taken seriously, you know, looking a lot better than he should against Jones. It, it's the the reason it's different, and I don't I don't know that it's like it could be as competitive. Uh, the reason it's different though is that John Jones went into that fight. Uh, with a long layoff and knowing that Ovin St. Preux could not hurt him. Like, if o- if OSP was going to beat him, it was going to be by, you know, grinding him down, submitting him, um, taking him out in that way. And I think John Jones just went through the motions in that fight. This fight is different because he knows that it could end in any second. And Reyes has that kind of power to just to end it. So I, I don't think it's going to be the same kind of just going through the motions where John was never even never even had the thought that he could lose that fight because he knew that, that St. Preux wasn't dangerous in that way. 
this is a different style fight. So I think he'll be a little bit sharper, a little bit uh, more, you know, uh, more on the attack just because he, you know, he doesn't have that, you know, he doesn't, he can't go in there just not having any fear in this fight. All right. Well, that'll do it for us here on the RJ Ringside podcast. We'll be back next week and hopefully have some of that. Maybe smack talk sound between John Jones and uh, Dominic Ray as ahead of their fight. Maybe between Valentina and uh, Caitlin as that one leads up here to February 8th. The UFC fight card happening in Houston, Texas, UFC 247. Uh, we'll bring you all the coverage from that that we can get our hands on. And uh, also keep you up to date on all things happening with the big fights in Vegas as we spoke here today about the wilder and fury rematch happening at the mgm on february 22nd so that'll do for us you can give us all a follow at by sam gordon at larry Mir, at adam hill lvrj and i am at heidi fang keep up with all of our combat sports coverage online or in print online you go to reviewjournal.com and wherever you are listening to this podcast give us a follow subscribe and uh keep up to date with all things happening in the combat sports world uh well guys that'll do it for everybody here and we'll be back next week thank you so much for listening osp 